Its origins can be traced back 800 years, and it's considered by many to be the very bastion of justice. But David Bain's retrial has led to renewed calls for New Zealand's jury system to be overhauled. Is the legal system fundamentally flawed, and is it time to rethink juries? Radio New Zealand's justice reporter Penny Smits investigates. On the first count of the murder of Robin Irving Bain, do you find the accused guilty or not guilty? Not guilty. On the second count of the murder of Margaret Arrowa Cullen Bain, do you find the accused guilty or not guilty? Not guilty. As David Bain left the High Court in Christchurch on Friday, June the 5th, his freedom was finally confirmed. Among those welcoming the not guilty verdicts is veteran defence lawyer Colin Withnell QC, who joined David Bain's defence team in 1996 and took charge of an ultimately unsuccessful petition to the Governor-General. He stepped aside five years ago but has remained a quiet supporter of Mr Bain. While Mr Withnell is delighted with the outcome of the retrial, he is less than complimentary about New Zealand's legal system, which he describes as antiquated and in desperate need of an overhaul. It's a point-scoring gladiatorial contest between two parties. And in the course of that, the truth gets obscured. The process is not about getting that truth. The process is about presenting two different sides of an argument. And it's who wins. And that doesn't necessarily mean that uh, the interests of society and the interests of justice wins. Grieving Napier father Simon Cowan says that for the victims of crime, learning the truth is extremely important. What happened in our case is that our second son Philip uh, got murdered and we've never sort of found the body or anything like that. So we had to go through a court case you know, similar to Baines, really, we, we went eight weeks and, and, and then it sort of got, uh, oh, it all got a bit hard for the jury to make a decision according to the judge. So it was sort of thrown out on a 347. So, you know, we haven't got a body. We're pretty sure from what we heard in our eight weeks that Philip is dead, but there's nothing that uh, sort of been officially said that that is the case. So we, we don't know the truth of what actually happened. Colin Withnell QC and Simon Cowan favour a move towards an inquisitorial legal system, which is used in some European countries. Silence for His Honour the Queen's Judge. <laughs> Thank you again, ladies and gentlemen, for your patience. A senior Victoria University law lecturer, Yvette Tinsley, says a basic difference between the adversarial system used in this country and the inquisitorial system is the role of the judge. She says in most countries that operate under an inquisitorial system, a judge takes on more of a fact-finding role. They may, for example, receive a dossier of evidence prepared by the prosecution or police and on that basis decide which witnesses to call. Dr Tinsley says with an inquisitorial system, lawyers play a much less central role. The classic way of defining the difference between adversarial and inquisitorial is to say inquisitorial systems look for truth, adversarial systems look for proof. That's a rather simplistic way of putting it because, of course, both systems are looking for truth. But it just really is a reflection of the fact that what we're saying is the adversarial system uses the contest kind of model to say, if we allow each side to put forward the evidence, then the truth will emerge through that way, rather than having one person decide what's the truth. 
The Justice Minister Simon Power has already asked officials to have a fundamental look at whether or not the criminal justice system is working. At the moment, anyone who is charged with an offence that carries a prison term of three months or more can elect to go to a jury trial, but Mr Power wants this threshold to be raised to the risk of three years imprisonment. Last year, there were more than 1,600 jury trials, and Simon Power believes his proposed changes would knock out about 1,000 of those. But some in the legal fraternity, including Auckland barrister Steve Bonner, fear the minister is too focused on saving money. My experience is that there aren't a huge number of cases in that gap between the three-month and three-year penalty, which are always taken to jury trial. I think that, you know, people make those decisions for various reasons. If the limit is raised to three years, there are some relatively significant offences which you will no longer have the right to, to defend by way of a jury trial. Now, that's a decision that the community is going to have to make, isn't it? Do we uh, sacrifice justice at the altar of efficiency is, is the real question, I suppose. The average wait for a district court jury trial is 12 months. And the Ministry of Justice says at the end of last year, six people had been remanded in prison for more than two years before their case got to trial. Minister Simon Power believes that justice delayed is justice denied. I don't think that the recent publicity around the odd high-profile trial should drive policy. And that's why well before the verdicts in, um, for example, the Bain trial came to light, work was underway in this area. But the simple point is this, I guess reform is coming in this area and it has been long overdue and that means that um, we are going to have some discussions about the way trials and the criminal justice system engage with the public. Uh, I think those um, conversations are long overdue. However, Mr Power says none of his proposed reforms will involve making any major changes towards an inquisitorial style legal system. That would be a massive change to the way we carry out our more complex criminal justice procedures. For example, a judge alone in an inquisitorial system is the individual who gathers the facts and evidence, which would be a complete change to where we are now. Having said that, there are some issues which I'm quite interested in pursuing. One would be the use of the inquisitorial system around sex offending, for example, and whether having a judge making inquiries without the adversarial approach for those who have been victims of sexual offending wouldn't be a bad idea, I don't believe, and I've asked the Law Commission to have a bit of a look at that. Um, I am intending to, if I get permission, head away early next year to have a look at the inquisitorial system and practice in another jurisdiction, but I don't have any plans to massively overhaul the adversarial system which is currently in place in New Zealand. Senior law lecturer Yvette Tinsley says while there are calls for New Zealand to move away from its adversarial-based legal system, some countries that operate under an inquisitorial model are also talking about reform. With a pure inquisitorial system, you do have the danger that you've got the dossier being prepared by the police and prosecution and the judge then looking at that dossier and actually having a theory of the case before any evidence is actually heard, which can then put some kind of spin on the evidence and be a kind of self-fulfilling theory. Mm -hmm. And they have found that that's been a problem. So there's been no study that's conclusively shown that one system or the other, adversarial or inquisitorial, is better at finding the truth. 
But I think there are things that we could potentially learn in terms of protection of witnesses and issues like that from inquisitorial processes that may help us. Thank you for coming to court. Today, you are carrying out one of your most important social responsibilities, taking part as a juror in New Zealand's justice system. This Ministry of Justice DVD is played to balloted jurors explaining the impanelling process. Last year, 16% of the more than 352,000 people summoned for jury service answered the call. Auckland barrister Steve Bonner says there is a concern among the legal fraternity about the number of people being excused from jury service, especially during longer or more significant trials. Anecdotally, I suppose there's a feeling that you perhaps don't get as representative a group of the community as you might otherwise. You get people who, who can afford the time for whatever reason. From early next year, potential jurors will be allowed to defer their jury service to another specified date in the next 12 months. The Ministry of Justice also plans to increase jury districts from 30 kilometres to 45 kilometres from the courthouse and therefore increase the pool from which jurors are selected. It's hoped these moves will mean a much greater range of the community will be available for jury service. But the Justice Minister Simon Power says it's an area that may warrant further investigation. The availability of people for jury service is something that warrants a bit of attention. I guess the other thing that continues to warrant attention is at what point a jury becomes uh, dysfunctional if one, two or more jurors are, are leaving or make themselves unavailable partway through a trial. Uh, certainly interested in having a bit of a look at that as well. To be a juror, you have to have a good understanding of English. If you think you'll have any problems understanding the trial... The most significant research on juries in New Zealand was conducted for the Law Commission in the late 90s. Of the 48 trials studied, researchers discovered that in seven of them, a juror or jurors couldn't understand the evidence because they had problems comprehending English. However, Law Commissioner Warren Young says the research led to a number of significant reforms and juries now function much better than they used to. The jury system is an important part of, of the criminal justice process in jurisdictions like ours. It not only has an educative role for the community, but it also really, I think, is an important part of maintaining public confidence in the system, particularly when it involves assessments about whether or not somebody's culpable in terms of the reasonableness of their behaviour. And that's something that really community standards can be brought to bear on through the jury. And certainly the work that I've done on juries indicates that overall juries do actually function pretty well if they're given the right assistance by the courts. The three-month David Bain retrial heard evidence from 184 witnesses. Grieving father Simon Cowan questions how capable lay people are at deciphering legal concepts and complex information. As I've said when I made a submission recently to one of the select committees, and I've made a few now, but when you look at situations, you know, you have plumbers fix plumbing, you know, accountants do tax returns. Why do we expect Joe Public to sort of analyse a, a case and then come out and say, well, this is what we think is what's happened? You know, it's, it's just crazy. There's experts for experts we have now. Queen's Counsel Colin Withnell says testimony from expert witnesses can be particularly difficult for lay people to understand. He says even though they aren't supposed to, many expert witnesses take on an advocacy role in the courtroom. Also, there's a lot of what I call pseudoscience used nowadays. 
pseudoscience, I'll give you an example, for instance. A scientist will come into court and say, glass found at the crime scene has the same refractive index as glass found in the accused car. It doesn't mean a thing, but it's meant to impress the jury and to lead the jury to the conclusion, well, the glass in the accused car must have been come from the crime scene. There's a whole lot more needed before you can say that that glass and that glass are from the same source or the same kind of glass, let alone how many thousand tonnes of that glass are manufactured annually and distributed where. You know, juries can attach far too much weight to that kind of pseudoscience. Simon Cowan wants jury trials to be scrapped. His suggestion is not without precedent. South Africa abolished the jury system 40 years ago, and in Britain there have been moves to get rid of juries for serious fraud cases and to ban them from some inquests. There is no jury at a coroner's inquest in New Zealand, and law lecturer Yvette Tinsley says this country also allows for the possibility of judge-only trials. She says a case may be heard solely by a judge if it's thought jurors could be intimidated or harassed, or in complex or long cases where the maximum sentence is under 14 years. I guess the question would be, is there room for, in those cases where the maximum's more than 14 years, so the most serious cases, is there a case for saying judge alone trial? And the reason that the country hasn't gone down that route so far is that we see it as being particularly symbolic to allow the defendant to have the right to jury trial, particularly where the peril is so great in terms of the length of imprisonment. So I certainly think it's a matter that's open to debate, but we have to think about historically why we have jury trials and why the defendant has a right to a jury. Dr Tinsley co-authored the Law Commission's report on juries. She found that out of the 48 trials studied, the judge agreed with the jury's verdict in all but three cases. There were some cases in which there was disagreement. In the majority of those, it was clear on the evidence that it was something where it was a close call on the evidence and it wasn't that the jury were going far away. It was just that the judge and the jury took a slightly different view on the evidence, but it was defendable, the jury's position. So what we did was we talked to the judge, talked to the jurors, looked at the transcripts of evidence, and on our view, and we also had a couple of experts looking at those transcripts, Usually, any disagreement was perfectly defendable. So there were only a few cases where you could say there was something else going on, either the operation of sentiment or pressure or horse trading that could eventuate in the judge and jury disagreement. Wellington defence lawyer Robert Lithgow QC describes juries as amateurs who are brought into the system and not told most of the rules until after the game is over. He insists this isn't a criticism, just an acceptance that the system is open to mistakes. I'm not a big fan of closer examination of the juries. What I'm a big fan of is an acceptance of the human fallibility of juries and a overlaying quality control process that follows trials so that appeal judges sign off the jury decision and the, and the judge's directions to the jury as all fair and square and correct. So should juries be made to explain how they reached a verdict? Presently, jurors are not allowed to tell anyone what discussion took place in the jury room. Colin Withnall QC believes more research should be done into jury deliberations. We shroud the jury's deliberations and reasons in secrecy. 
And sometimes we get feedback through diffuse sources after a trial because jurors will tell people and it, and it comes back to you. And it's pretty horrifying, some of the things you hear. I can think of one case where I got feedback where the jury didn't like the accused because they thought he'd made a lot of money. He was wealthy. And the comment was, oh, we, we've, we got that rich bugger. Now, that's pretty horrifying if that goes on. You do get feedback and, and comments from jurors you think, well, if that's the basis on which they made their decision, God protect us from juries. But Law Commissioner Warren Young says opening up the jury deliberation process would be difficult. If you've got 12 people making the decision, then they may, of course, be all agreed on the outcome, but for quite different reasons, and therefore expecting them to give a collective reason for the decision would be virtually impossible. Uh, and I think, therefore, um, if we think that we should retain the jury system, we probably have to accept that it does mean that the basis for their decision is likely to remain uh, non-transparent. If we required that jurors were unanimous as to the basis upon which they were reaching their verdict, we might often never get a verdict. A new amendment that has come into force this week changes the requirement for unanimous jury verdicts. The change allows for 11 to 1 majority verdicts where deliberations have lasted for at least four hours, or when one or more jurors have been excused, a 10 to 1 or 9 to 1 vote will be allowed. It follows a recommendation from the Law Commission, which found in the year 2000, 13% of cases heard at the High Court resulted in a hung jury on one or more of the charges being heard. Jeremy Finn, who's a professor of law at Canterbury University, hopes the move will help eliminate the problem of rogue jurors. The jury are required to deliberate for four hours at least before they can return a majority verdict. And if you have a rogue juror, then you're saying, well, somebody says right at the beginning, I'm only going to vote for guilty. The other 11 say, well, we think it should be an acquittal, and they've got to spend four hours twiddling their thumbs or trying to engage with the rogue. That doesn't seem to me terribly logical, but it is perhaps a way of making sure that the juries really do try to see whether there's a a possibility of a unanimous verdict. So I think it's going to be very interesting to see how that one works out in the first few years. Many elements of David Bain's retrial meant it was always going to be unusual. But the way certain jurors acted immediately after the case added yet another talking point. I accepted an invitation because why not? We don't know who this person is. We know every detail about his life and everything like that, and off we went, got there, realised it was inappropriate and went. That's one of the jurors explaining on the radio station More FM her decision to attend an after-trial party for David Bain's supporters. Two jury members were spotted at the party, one juror was seen giving Mr Bain a hug as he left the court, and at least two of the jurors approached members of the media to talk about their experience. The convener of the Law Society's Criminal Law Committee, Jonathan Krebs, says a jury panel arrives at court as members of the community. But he says if they are selected for jury service, they are implored to act judicially throughout the course of the hearing. What happened in the Bain case is a bit of a concern. I think it, it looks bad, 
it almost hints at some sort of prejudgment or some sort of uh, empathy which is unjudicial. And I think a way to look at it might be to say if the verdict had been different, if Mr Bain had been convicted of any or all of those charges, how would it have appeared to the public if members of the jury had gone up to the police bar and had a um, a party with the police officers to celebrate the verdict? I think that would have uh, been frowned upon very much, more than just raised eyebrows. So I think that uh, jurors should be encouraged to maintain some distance and to continue to act judicially after a trial. Robert Lithgow QC has a different attitude. They are members of the public. Their duties end when they've delivered their verdict. We don't own them. We don't pay them from the moment the verdict ends. Give them a taxi home maybe if they need it. So what they choose to do after the verdict, whether they want to write a letter to the to victims' families in other cases or whether they want to write to the judge, as they often do, saying something or other, that's entirely up to them. Lawyers aren't allowed to do that. Judges aren't allowed to do that. But these people are members of the public. We've taken three months of their life. A very tumultuous, you might think, and event to be involved as a juror in the Bain trial and the fact that a couple of them feel the urge to demonstrate that it tells us nothing about what the rest of the jury thought. A what's the big surprise and B what does it matter? Following the retrial Labour's justice spokesperson Leanne Dalzell called for a review of how well jurors are prepared for major trials. It was really my view that they needed to be protected as jurors from being exposed to undermining the quality of their verdict and that is fundamental. The integrity of the verdict is everything in a jury case and individual members of the jury who make those approaches to the media tragically have achieved the opposite of probably what they were trying to achieve. The Law Society's Jonathan Krebs says it may be time for the Law Commission to look at the rules governing the behaviour of juries. But Law Commissioner Warren Young says it would be hard to develop rules to combat such behaviour and the Commission has no plans to investigate. And the Justice Minister Simon Power seems relatively comfortable with the guidance presently provided to jury members regarding conduct. He says while some of the Bain jurors' actions were unwise, they weren't illegal. As David Bain emerged from the Christchurch High Court, flanked by his supporters, he was full of thanks for one man. All I can say is that without Joe and his solid strength, without the love of the people that have supported me since day one, I wouldn't have made it through this far. But Joe has just been, he's been there through everything for me. This is another feature of the Bain case that has become an issue for debate. Did the retrial only take place because of the involvement of Joe Caram? Robert Lithgow, QC. Joe Caram has taken the place of a senior detective in a big homicide case. He's got the case, and when a senior police officer gets such a case, it is never forgotten for the rest of their career and they are determined to reach a resolution. And so they'll take months and years, they'll assemble teams, they'll argue for resources, they'll ring up experts all over the world, they'll follow up minor leads, and so the answer is 
the state doesn't provide that kind of person to the defence. It provides it to the prosecution, but not to the defence. So if Joe Karam hadn't done it, the nation had no intention of doing it. So the answer is that he could not have got to this stage, I don't believe, simply by legal process. Queen's counsel Nigel Hampton says New Zealand doesn't pay sufficient regard to or have the ability to properly investigate claimed injustices. Talking from Fiji, he told me he believes the appeal structures within the existing legal system are too narrow. The fact that proclaimed miscarriages take so long as, say, Bain or Hague or the still unresolved Alice is uh, not an indication of strengthen our justice system. In fact, it's, it's the reverse. The fact, however, that after 15 years, the Bain miscarriage got itself properly aired and sorted out in a court, no matter what the verdict, um, I think uh, is a vindication of our justice system that ultimately uh, it did get it right, albeit with the intervention of a court, the Privy Council, that we've now done away with. Nigel Hampton says David Bain's retrial has highlighted the need for a New Zealand Criminal Cases Review Commission. He says the body would have the duty and full powers to thoroughly investigate claimed miscarriages of justice and could be an example of where the inquisitorial and adversarial systems could both be used. The Justice Minister, Simon Power, is non-committal. I'm always interested in suggestions that improve the criminal justice system. But I have to say, if it's simply a body that refers a matter back to a court, we have that system in place already with the prerogative of mercy um, approach, which we saw with the Bain and I think with the Alice trial. That system referred, referred these matters back to a court in any event. Um, so am I interested in putting in place um, a, a group of individuals who could second-guess a court? No, I'm not. And the question is whether the referral process... Uh, which is currently used under the Progative Mercy system, would be better served by an alternative um, uh, arrangement. I haven't seen anything that's too persuasive on that point yet, but I'm relatively open-minded about it. Despite David Bain's acquittal, he still faces the prospect of a coroner's inquest into his family's deaths being reopened and a long battle for potential compensation from the Crown. The way his case played out has highlighted concerns about the justice system, although Wellington lawyer Robert Lithgow QC believes had David Bain been found guilty, the questions would not have emerged. You see that the system has sent a young man on an ultra-marathon through the system. They've taken everything from him, destroyed him financially, had him in jail for a long time. If there'd been a decision that he was guilty, he would have been told to accept it, and that was written in gold, and uh, that was the jury's decision, and he should just have to take it. But the moment they say not guilty, we've got all these people saying, oh, yeah, but, yeah, but what about this, and what about that, and what about somebody in Southland who reckons he hears these words or those words which no one else could determine? And so we've got to make a decision if we if we use that certainty for guilty, why are we so miserable when we have the verdict not guilty? That was Wellington lawyer Robert Lithgow QC ending that insight, which was written and presented by Penny Smiths. Technical production was by Steve Burridge and it was produced by Sue Ingram.